Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, I'm here scouting locations for the USA Olympic Trials in 2021. Yeah, you're out there in Omaha, Nebraska, where the Omaha. Uh, yeah Omaha, where the uh, the trials will be in in 2021. What is your take so far? It's real flat. <laughs> well, that's good. I like yeah. that. Lots to see. Lots to see. Uh, I've got this giant 32-ounce beer here uh-huh. that I bought the other day and uh, cracked it when I got home. It's pretty darn tasty. Nice. Brewery, A brewery called Zipline. So if you're in Omaha, check them out. Yeah, free plug for Zipline. You should uh, make sure you go back <laughs> there later and uh, cash in on that. Oh, yeah. It's in the plans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the event out there will be held at the Baxter Arena as announced. And Scott, what's great about it is if we want to, we don't have to pick between the Canadian and the American trials. We could just head out to Omaha between November the 13th and 21st, 2021. Well, we could even stay out there, do a bit of a road trip, and then head to Saskatoon for the uh, the Canadian trials. Yeah, I can't think of a better time to road trip than uh, than late November, early December. We could spend Thanksgiving somewhere in, uh, I don't know, Yeah. the Dakotas. Yeah, that would be all right. Do uh, something like that. Yeah, I've never been to Wyoming. We could uh, check there out you Wyoming. Go. Yeah, so, uh, so a lot going on out there in <laughs> Omaha. You've been gone for the weekend, Scott, which means that you couldn't see a lot of the curling because you were traveling. No, I, I saw almost none of it. I was playing around with VPNs yesterday so uh, so I could watch football. Uh, but it wasn't working for the curling. And so uh, that's I too only bad. saw the results. Yeah, it was uh, an exciting weekend of curling out there in North Bay and prompts to North Bay, one of my former hometowns that uh, really crushed it, I think, again, with the Masters this weekend. Great job at the Memorial Gardens. A lot of renos at the Memorial Garden since I was there, but it wasn't full, full. There were some empty seats in the corners, but a very strong turnout from the people of North Bay. And I will say, very partisan crowd as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, it doesn't hurt when you've got a hometown, hometown team. Yeah, so uh, let's let's start with them. Uh, Tracy Fleury. Uh, now, Tracy Fleury is the only member of her team who's sort of hometown. Of course, from Sudbury, Ontario, just up the road, uh, about a couple hours up the road. When I was in North Bay as a student, uh, a couple times we went over to Sudbury to go to the Costco, and other people would go to go to Red Lobster. Oh yeah, the big city. Yeah, yeah, yeah gotta head over to the city <laughs> to do, to do those things. But uh, Tracy Flurry, Sudbury native, certainly had the crowd behind her and her team as they made a very impressive run through the playoffs, beating Sayaka Yoshimura. We'll talk about that team in a minute and and what they accomplished this weekend, Scott. But Tracy Flurry, first career Grand Slam there at the Masters. What is your impression of her getting this victory? I would say it, it's a very impressive victory 
for this team. I don't think they were really on anyone's radar going into the weekend. I, I'm looking a bit at the fantasy curling stats, which which I know we'll get to. And I've got to say the the people at the top must have been the teams that uh, went all in on Tracy Flurry. Her her dollar value wasn't super high. It was near the the bottom, and so some good value there. But uh, I mean, she beat some really good teams, Sean. She beat Elena Stern in the quarterfinal, then Anna Hasselberg, and then uh, Sayaka Yoshimura. So, like you say, I, I, I mean. Pretty good competition, and I think this says a lot about the team going forward. Some renewed confidence, you know, after having a whole year under their belts. And they're they're making a statement with this victory. Yeah, it, it is very much a statement victory, and it, it was interesting. During the broadcast yesterday, during the final there, uh, Mike Harris and Joe McCusker were talking that they used to describe Tracy Fleury as sneaky good, and that the word sneaky can no longer be used. She's just good now and that everyone knows that she's good. And what was really interesting is that Tracy Fleury and a Hasselberg game on Saturday night in the semifinal, it went down officially as a 7-5 game. It wasn't that close. Tracy Fleury was in control the whole time in that game, and Anna Hasselberg was trying angle runbacks in multiple ends to score single points with the hammer. Uh, yeah. Tracy Fleury was all over her, and that team was just in top form and you know we've seen the other three be really good they've made it to a, a scotty's final right with carrie anderson they're a good team that's a good threesome already and the issue that we've had with tracy flurry for a long time or the issue that she's had in sustaining success is a lot of weight issues right she she has a tendency sometimes to lose that draw weight that was not on display this weekend where she was just completely spot on she had it in her pocket she made a great shot in the final yesterday where she was in good shape if she doesn't throw she might steal and she comes down and just puts another one on top in the absolute perfect place in a shot where she could have easily given yoshimura a double to get out of it and she put it absolutely the perfect place very very good performance until scott the last rock of the game where she did everything she could to take this to an extra end uh, like, <laughs> throwing a throwing an outturn hit there yeah that over curled by a lot and just out of luck was the other Yoshimura Stone there as the catcher. So oh, it, it turns into a double takeout when that definitely was not the call. And, and it worked out well for them, but it was one of these moments where, as it was coming down the ice, and somebody on Twitter said this too, as a, as a fan, as a, a person watching this, you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is exciting. We might get an extra end out of nowhere. This, this is kind of cool. But anyone who's ever played and has thrown a shot that you see going that way, you're just thinking, oh, no. And you yeah. feel really bad for it because it's a, it's a wide-open hit. But that's one of those moments where she wins, all credit to her, but it was a glimpse into one of the, one of the reasons why she hasn't won more, I think. But that being said, maybe... You need luck. Not maybe. You need luck to win sometimes. She gets it there. Great week all around. Certainly is not marred by one shot that wasn't perfect. 
Yeah, of course not. Of course not. And and we all know that Tracy Fleury's strength is the draw game. Uh, she's got that touch weight down pretty pat, and that if she's going to make a mistake, it's going to be on those higher weight type hits. So you're not super surprised it's that kind of a, a shot that, that w- could have led to her undoing. But uh, that being said, you know, like she she knew her margin for error, I guess, and uh, threw her shot within that. For sure. Uh, now, as we mentioned, she beats Sayaki Yoshimura. It's hard to say that the team who finishes second maybe had the most impressive week in the field, but I think you can make that case with Yoshimura here. Uh, again, another team that is coming in. You know, you think of Japanese women's curling, at least in Canada, all eyes are going to go to Satsuki Fujisawa, and that's the team that we're just more familiar with here in Canada. But this team comes through, makes it into the playoffs, and they beat Jennifer Jones and Sylvana Tiranzoni to make it to the final. And again, just like Tracy Fleury on Saturday night, uh, I, you know, North Bay was all hyped up for the semifinals on Saturday night. The two women's games weren't very close. Uh, Yoshimura was all over Tiranzoni. Again, Elena Pats did struggle a bit in that game, but a, a really impressive performance for them to come through that particular bracket. Oh, yeah. I mean, how'd you like to face two world champions on your way to uh, your your first final? Yeah, I don't uh, think I'd get to that final. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. So, uh, obviously, a, a real tough road for them. You mentioned Fujisawa also making the playoffs, losing to Tiranzoni in that quarterfinal. And when I was thinking about what fantasy teams I was going to pick and teams I was going to pick for our little contest, you know, I went with Fujisawa. I, Yoshimura wasn't even on my radar. And you talk about fantasy curling. Two of, I think Yoshimura was the lowest team on those uh, starting values. So real, a uh, real interesting event overall. Some teams you don't expect to be there, but that's the kind of thing you like to see. And having it happen so early in the season, you kind of know that these teams are getting their their legs under them, right? Yeah. And giving the opportunity for some of these teams to maybe come up and and get somebody by surprise, make some money early in the season, get some points in their quest to get to the Olympic trials and then the Olympics eventually. So it's really good to see these kind of teams having such a strong weekend. Yeah, and you mentioned the fantasy ramifications. They are not going to be undervalued next time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't think they could be because, you know, you you win one, your price is going to go up. Yeah. By a lot. Mm-hmm. So, Scott, uh, anything else stand out from you when you're looking around? Maybe the bracket, maybe who wasn't in the playoffs? Um, I think Rachel Holman not being in the playoffs is pretty surprising. Yes. We saw them lose the final. Oh, was it last week or two weeks ago? Uh, I was last Sunday. To Alina Stern. Yep. Uh, Alina Stern's team does make the, the playoffs and get bumped off by Tracy Fleury. They're in the quarterfinal, so... And Alina it, it, Stern beats Rachel Holman in the round robin. Yeah, so two wins in a row impressive. for Stern over Holman is pretty impressive. But I think everybody's would be surprised that Rachel Holman didn't get in. I, I didn't sure. see if she made a tiebreaker. I don't think so, right? One and three, I think she went? Yeah, I think that sounds right. So, so that's a little bit surprising. 
one of the things we talked about a little bit before we got uh, on the air here tonight was I was looking at the degree of difficulty uh, shots for this final, and that's on uh, curling zone. So for Tracy Flurry, the de- the degree of difficulty shots uh, in this final was a lot lower than in the men's final, which made me think that maybe this game was a lot more wide open. Sean, I, I don't know how much you were able to watch yesterday. Yeah, but would I, that I be watch, your... I, yeah, I watched a lot of it. I, I wouldn't necessarily say like it wasn't wide open. I mean, there were there were rocks in play. There was, sure, there was guards. Sure. But you didn't have an end where yeah, there's 12, 13 rocks in play. Right. So she's not playing double runbacks to try and score or right. Yeah. There's, stuff like there's, that. There's always a shot. Yeah, and there's still, I mean, there's still guards and there's still t- difficult shots. But yeah, you're not getting one of those ends where it takes 45 seconds to clear the rocks afterwards. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, I'm comparing it to the men's game where Matt Dunstone and Brad Gushu's difficulty score, which is a score out of five, were, were both higher than either of the skips in the women's game. Which, so yeah, that, which, yeah, which, yeah, which sort of stands to what that game was too. Right. Like, uh, so I guess maybe we'll transition over to that men's game. Yeah. So we'll talk about the men's game. Matt Dunstone beats Brad Jacobs or Brad Jacobs, Brad Gushu. We have too many Brad's beats Brad Gushu <laughs> in the finals of the men's event first career grand slam for matt dunstone it was a very emotional moment for him uh you saw it in the post-game interview i believe it was with joan mccusker was on the ice that's with right him at that point uh and he's in tears uh, and we you don't hear a lot from matt dunstone uh really ever right <laughs> like yeah on the ice he doesn't you know he hasn't done too many interviews even you know after games when they win, it seems to be Moscowi who who is more the face of that team. He has mm-hmm. more of a presence, uh, certainly in the media, certainly on social media. He has he has a pretty pretty big presence and is the face of that team. So Matt Dunstone to be in that moment and just be overcome with emotions, it, it's kind of cool, right? And and good for them. They have we we talked about the, the schedule that they've put together the work that they've mm-hmm. put in as a team losing the Saskatchewan final last year and adjust a tooth and nail game with uh, Kirk Myers, which was really a very well-played game all around that they've, since he's come out of juniors and a very successful junior career, he's had some bumps in the road and for him to break through four years later. Now you could see that sort of release for him, and everything that he and they have put into this. Yeah, Sean, it's really, really incredible to see that level of emotion for an event this early in the year. And all I saw on Twitter last night was, oh, you think that the Grand Slams don't mean anything for the players? Like, look at this. And sure, that's some evidence of it, right? That these players are pretty invested in this kind of an event, it's easy when, you know, Kevin Cooey wins or Rachel Holman wins and they've won a million of them already and they're sort of happy, but you know, they've been there, done that. And then you got a first timer come in and not only on the men's side, a first timer, but a women's side, first timer in the same event. It's pretty cool to see that kind of emotion come through. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I saw that stuff on Twitter too. And yeah, maybe I've suggested that some of the top teams don't really care about these events in the same way that they care about other events. And okay, I'll, I'll stand by that to a degree. And But I, I do think that the players care. The players want to win. The players are trying. I think where, you know, this is a bigger discussion, but in terms of it not mattering, I think you still need to get more buy-in from fans for it. Right, so I think the discussion around the significance of the event has to do with fan perception rather than anything else. But we can talk about that uh, another time because, uh, yeah, because Matt Dunstone played a an unbelievable week. The shot mm-hmm. of the year he made. Yeah, that uh, double run back. Yeah, and we we tweeted it out. Uh, I put the caption. It's Howard esque, right? If you remember that mm-hmm. shot that that Glenn Howard made in the briar against Saskatchewan. I want to say Jordison was the skip that year. And he, but, but that shot was all in the rings. Right. Dun- this Dun- one was a, a double going... run and doing almost the same thing. It, it didn't have as many moving parts in the rings, but my God, what a shot. Pretty incredible. Yeah. 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 Now, now Sean, the question that I have is, do you think he would have been this excited if it was the Elite Ten? <laughs> no, the Elite Ten doesn't count. The Elite Ten <laughs> is tricked up. It's not real curling. Good riddance to the Elite Ten. Um, right on. Right I on. like to believe that we had a small role in the demise of the Elite Ten. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll say you had a role in it. I, I'm abstaining uh, from comment. Um, so, yeah, so so definitely a, a huge congratulations to Matt Dunstone and, and his team. And we'll see if this propels them through the rest of the year and if they can keep this up. Um, you know, we, we saw it last year after they won the World Cup event that they had a really strong finish to the season after that. And, you know, this is maybe a snowball effect for these guys. And because we, we, we saw in the briar with him uh, a couple times in his, in his first two, two goes where when he lost the ice a little bit and wasn't throwing that strong, it seemed to compound in that direction at times. So now that things are, are going well and there's, they are just, these guys are brimming with confidence. You can just see it when you're watching them on, on TV that they, they have it just under control. And if it snowballs in the same way that it did when it was going poorly, but now obviously in a more positive direction, I think we do have to start talking about them as legitimate threats to win a briar this year. Yeah. I mean, if they come out playing, playing like this, absolutely. And I think like we mentioned last week, Saskatchewan is going to be really, really interesting. We already thought that it would be. And now with this kind of a win for team Dunstone, like when they went and won their world cup leg last year, I think everybody thought, Oh, well, you know, like, not everybody's bringing their best teams to this leg and uh, whatever, but they beat Nicodine. Yeah. Like it's pretty impressive. Yeah. For so, sure. so yeah, they're, they're building their resume. Uh, they went, I believe they're one of the teams that went to Korea this year. Yeah. Or, so, uh, yeah. I think they went over. Right. And so, right. you know, getting, uh, getting into the swing of things a bit early, you got to, You'd be excited for sure for Saskatchewan and whatever team comes out of there 
what they can do at the Briar. You you wonder maybe are they going to peak too early? Remains to be seen. But uh, no, it's an interesting storyline for the rest of the year. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. Congratulations to them. On the other side of it, Brad Gushu he loses in a final. I'm sure he's disappointed that he lost, but Brad Gushu's really really good. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, I had picked him. Yeah, so so really no harm there, I don't think. If you look at the rest of the playoff bracket here, uh, I think no real huge surprises uh, in terms of the way it went. I mean, Dunstone beats Brad Jacobs, Bruce Mowat, so two really good wins there. I think the, the team of the week for me, Scott, if it's not Matt Dunstone, if you have to pick a team that didn't win as a team of the week, I think what Scott Howard did was very impressive this yeah, week. With- Without uh, Glenn there. Yeah, he goes 3-1, and one, uh, skipping the team. Crusher comes in to play third, and mm-hmm. Scott steps up and skips to a 3-1 and one record. Very impressive for them there. Yeah, we saw them do really well last year in Halifax when Glenn was unavailable to play, and Scott stepped up to be the skip. I think they popped a, a 6 or something, a 5 or a 6-er, uh, against your favorite... Uh, was that against... Jamie Murphy, maybe in the final. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. The uh, you know the corrections <laughs> department can get in touch with us otherwise. But they did have that uh, big win without Glenn there, and I remember Glenn joking, "Oh, oh, they don't need me anymore." And yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know we might be seeing a changing of the guard, very gradually, you know, coming. But uh, oh, it's good to see. Yeah, uh, elsewhere, Kevin Cooey misses the playoffs, loses in a tiebreaker. A little surprising there. Obviously, you expect them to make the playoffs whenever they show up. And same with Nicholas Dean going yeah. with a 1-3 record. Lost his first three games, wins the last game, but a 1-3 record for him to miss the playoffs. And more ammunition to the people who say he's not as good as we think he is. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh <laughs> I guess, I guess so. But uh, I was pretty surprised to see him miss out on the playoffs. You know, that's the kind of team you expect to always be there. So, but they they had a tough start last year too. Remember, you know, going to the first World Cup, uh, missing out on the playoffs. I think they went two and four at that event. Yeah, really struggled. You know, uh, they they just need to be make sure they're peaking at the right time. Come come World Championships. Right. Now, Oscar Erickson was hurt last year at the start of the year, too, and so that obviously factored into it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, you know, we saw them sort of not be the sort of world beaters you expect them to be, the the sort of thing we saw from Team Hasselberg at the beginning of the year. So, uh, yeah, I think they just need, you know, they're taking their time, and uh, we'll, we'll see them in contention at Worlds for sure. Yeah, no question. So uh, so overall, I think a very good week there in North Bay. Congratulations to the winner. The <clears throat> excuse me, the Grand Slam of Curling turns its attention now to the Tour Challenge, which is coming up in a week and a half from now, Scott, out there in Pictou County, Nova Scotia. Oh, Pictou County, one of the 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 nicer places in the world. I went through there this summer. So yeah, love yeah I'm looking looking forward to seeing all the B-roll shots and and everything on the TV. I'll be back home by then. So 
And uh, so I'll be able to watch. And that is that the long weekend? Is it? The, yeah, it starts on the fifth. It is the long weekend, and a long weekend for government employees. Yes, and a long uh, people for everybody. In, people in other provinces too. So. So there you go. Uh, so. Uh, so yeah, so that uh, is happening over the November fifth to the tenth. Those days there. That this is the event with the tier one and tier two. So top fifteen teams of men's and women's are playing in the tier one event. And then Scott, we have thirty-two other teams coming. So a total of sixty-two teams will be heading out to Pictou County, Nova Scotia. If you don't have a hotel yet, you might be hosed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll cancel my plans to drive down there for the for the long weekend. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a really big field there. Uh, in terms of the the, the teams, we'll, we'll do a preview of it coming up next week. But your usual suspects in the Tier 1 event, no real surprises, I don't think, uh, for, the, for the Tier 1. A lot of the same teams, of course, who played this weekend there in North Bay. And then some fun teams coming up on the tier two side yeah I'm, I'm really interested to look at the tier two talk about those teams and see uh, who comes out of that as a as a champion because they'll get uh, you know a berth in a a grand slam down the road so i'm looking forward to getting into that looking forward to digging a little more into the numbers from this weekend uh we're gonna see see what we can pull out if we can pull out anything and, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we're going to mine the data over the next few days and, and see what we can come up with and, and find some trends before we go ahead and make picks for the Tour Challenge. So speaking of those picks, Scott, how did we do this weekend? Well, Sean, neither of us picked winners okay. on either side. Well, it's hard uh, to do. So each of us picked on the men's side two playoff teams. You had Botcher and Bruce Mowat with Brad Jacobs – and Nick and Dean missing the playoffs. I want to correct you there, Brad Jacobs. Yeah, is that right? Break up did Jacobs make the did. playoffs. He went three and one, yes. Oh, boy. Okay. Actually, he lost, three points. lost to eventual champion Matt Dunstone in the quarterfinals. Okay. So you got three points there on the, the men's side for me. I picked Gushu and Botcher to make the playoffs. They both did. Botcher to win. And Peter DeCruz and Kevin Cooey. So I get two. Yes, because Kevin Cooey loses in the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker. And as to... we've established, that doesn't count. That does not count for making the playoffs. Yes. Otherwise, at most events, everyone would make the play playoffs. <laughs> that is true. Uh, and on the women's side, each of us pick up three points. You'd pick Jennifer Jones to win with Hasselberg, Homan, and Anderson. So yeah. you get uh, Jones, Hasselberg, and Anderson made the playoffs. And I picked Hasselberg to win. Uh, but I also had Fujisawa, Alina Stern for three points, and yeah. Eve Muirhead, who had a tough week there going o, o for. Yes, the O for. She wears the hat on that this week. So over uh, after one event, I have a lead, Scott. You're up one. There you go. New season, same results. Well, look what's happened in the World Series. There's time for me to come back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then fantasy curling, Scott. How did you do in fantasy curling? Well, Sean, I'm going to give you an over-under, and I okay. want you to tell me whether I was over or under that number. Okay. And and okay. over means you were worse than that number. Oh, yeah. Over is worse. Okay. We'll do that. 
So I'm going to give you 120th, and I'll tell you how many teams there were. Okay. 240. So 240 so, teams. So halfway. So 120 halfway. What uh, What do you think? Am I better or worse? Well, based on who you picked for our picks, the fact that you had Alina Stern there, and I know she scored well this week in fantasy, I'm going to go under. Under. You are correct. I was 116. Hey. With 270 points. So I was in the top half, which is pretty good. Hey, uh, how about you? How was your pick, Sean? So what happened was... What happened was... I I had it up when we talked to Scott, and I had signed up, and I even made the picks. I even, like, you know, selected the teams and made sure it was in budget. And then I just forgot to hit the submit button, and Ah. I didn't realize that I forgot to hit the submit button until action started last Tuesday, and and it closed. So I sadly did not have a team, and... I don't even remember who I had picked in that initial draw, so I can't even do the math myself to figure out where I I would have landed. So I'll take the caller on this one. I will be the person who finished in 241st. So as we start the next event, if there's a season-long cumulative total, I am in dead last right now. You are definitely playing from behind. You were actually tied for 236th with... uh, Three other teams who forgot to submit their pick. <laughs> okay. Well, is one of them me? One of them's you, yeah. Oh, so I'm listed on that 240? Yes. Oh, okay, great. So at least I ha- at least there's a record. Oh, there's a record. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I did. So don't be like me is the message. That's the message. That's the message. And I want to uh, point out that uh, the Lazy Handle host who finished uh, dead last last year in the event, did really well this time, finishing uh, very, very high. I'm trying to find it now. <laughs> oh, Lazy Handle host. Here it is, 21st. Very impressive. And uh, shout out to Rocks Across the Pond, 19th. So, wow. which, which, Who submitted that? Do I, you don't, know? I don't know who picked it, no. Okay. But we've... Uh, We've got our work cut out for us. Uh, Twine Time was up there at 29 as well. Uh, we did beat the likes of... Don't say Curling we. I, I had nothing to do with this. I mean, so I did. Yeah, there you go. Personally. <laughs> but uh, no, it's good. It's a good showing. And 240 people signing up to play is uh, also great participation. We'll see how that changes and grows throughout the season. Yeah, and I think it will because... Now, this is anecdotal, certainly, but last week at the Ottawa Curling Club, when I was there on Thursday night, curling was on the TV for the first time this Uh. season that you have curling at the club, and people were like, oh, yeah, it's it's back now. And uh, I mentioned the fantasy curling to a couple of folks who were like, oh, that's cool. Like, I, I, I would play that. So now that we have one event behind us, and the season's really in swing, and, and the people who are watching curling, that audience is back into it. Hopefully we get some growth over the rest of the season. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, always good to participate and then rub it in some of your teammates' faces, right? There is nothing more fun than that. <laughs> right on. 
So with that, Scott, I'm going to go to the Ottawa Curling Club and play in our game, which you were not going to be participating in this evening, unfortunately, as it is a key game to determine who will move up in the next draw, last second last game of the draw, but uh, but a key game nonetheless. Yeah, why don't you uh, not blow it then? How about uh, be be good? I'll I'll try my best. <laughs> no guarantees though. So uh, so thank you, Scott, for joining us all the way from Omaha. You're welcome. I'm gonna go out now and uh, see what Omaha has to offer. A lot, based on this article I read about the U.S. Olympic trials being there. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot. I'll, I'm gonna find a good place to eat. Yeah, apparently, uh, also swimming has had its past three Olympic trials in Omaha. So a big, a uh, big national sports town. Yeah, it's the geographic center of the United States, oh. or a little bit, a little bit north of the geographic center. But uh, I think it's equidistant from all of the oceans. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. So yeah. So, uh, so yeah, very, uh, very yeah. exciting uh, there. So enjoy your time in Omaha. Safe travels back. We'll talk to you when you're back next week, which is when we will have our next episode. So in the interim, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever else you get all those shows. Uh, please do subscribe to us there. Leave comments, ratings, all that good stuff. It helps with the algorithms and allows other people to find the show. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. Scott's on those things. At Scott Lakes TV, I am at Dr. Shawnee Fever. So, until we join you again next week, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...